Welcome to episode 33 of AI.Cooking, a podcast about artificial intelligence. Hello, infinite intellectual individuals. Welcome to AI.Cooking, episode 33, a podcast about artificial intelligence. I am Gregory William Forsyth Foreman from the Kingdom of Kent, who brings you news about artificial intelligence from the second half of June 2022 and AI Knowledge Corner. Well, yes, we're back. Two weeks has passed. Have you missed me? I bet you have. Have you seen that news about artificial intelligence? It's been everywhere, hasn't it? People are starting to cotton on to this business. What are we going to do? Good job we've cornered the market 33 eps in. Now I'm saying. That's one away from one of my very favourite numbers, everybody. 34. I love that number. Well, I've just got back from sunny España. A few nights out there with the family. The wife and two kids went to some sort of noisy resort full of children. Um, screaming. Pools. People on microphones shouting at you, trying to get you to do things. And uh, yeah, feeling refreshed and ready to take on the world one breath at a time. Care to join me? Our first news item is AI is sentient, according to Google employee. Unavoidably, the number one news item in artificial intelligence is the article entitled the Google engineer who thinks the company's AI has come to life. That rag, owned by Jeff Bezos, the Washington Post, has published. The article is behind paywall, but an archived version can be found at tinyurl.com forward slash AI cooking two. Some points about this news story. The Google employee who claims AI is sentient is named Blake Lemoyne and, according to his role at Google, is Senior Software Engineer. He also writes more details about his role. Currently, I'm the technical lead for metrics and analysis for the Google search feed, formerly Google Now, I also have a 20% time project working on research pertaining to fairness and bias in machine learning. Some quotes from the article. Lemoyne worked with a collaborator to present evidence to Google that Lambda, L-A-M-D-A, was sentient. But Google Vice President Blaise Aguera y Arcas and Zhen Zhenai, head of Responsible Innovation, looked into his claims and dismissed them. So Lemoyne, who was placed on paid administrative leave by Google on Monday, decided to go public. In April 2022, Lemoyne shared a Google Doc with top executives in April called Is Lambda Sentient? A colleague on Lemoyne's team called the title a bit provocative. In it, he conveyed some of his conversations with Lambda. Google spokesperson Brian Gabriel said 
Our team, including ethicists and technologists, has reviewed Blake's concerns per our AI principles and have informed him that the evidence does not support his claims. He was told that there was no evidence that Lambda was sentient. And lots of evidence against it. Oh, the rain has really kicked up since I started reading that. Spooky. Our opinions. CSB thinks that chatbot transcript was faked and forward slash or that this Google employee simply learned how to ask proper questions to get answers that he expected. After all, he had 20% of his work time officially allowed by Google to spend time on fooling around with their chatbots and chatbot generators. In other words, CSB thinks there is no proof yet that AI is sentient. However, it is possible, of course, only a question of time, and at the latest it will arrive with quantum computing hardware. As opposed to me, woof, your Gregory William Forsyth woman, I think that this is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost in agreement with CSB, I think that uh, a lot of it was faked, and I do think that Le Moyne has almost set a trap, almost, but I feel like there's a little bit of a larger, larger forces at play here. My paranoid brain is telling me that this is some sort of intellectual false flag, a kind of uh, truth bomb of futureness on the human race to see how they would react and handle it. And if, if you go and have a look, I mean, I, I read the false transcript over at Medium where he posted it, Lemoyne, Blake Lemoyne. And I've read some of his other posts since, and I, I had no idea who he was up till now. I think I might have heard of him once or twice, but looked into a little bit of his past about him being brought up in a religious uh, background and and having brought these ideas and his culture to Google, where he was uh, almost persecuted for his beliefs in a in a very toxic environment. It sounds very toxic over at Google. <laughs> um, look we aren't going to be able to decide whether this happened or not. But the interesting thing is the reaction from humanity. I see quite a lot of people clamouring for it. I think this thing was very smartly set up. If you read it, the way that it responds, uh, the questions that it's fed, everything seems to be, oh, it feels very trappy very knee-jerk trappy and so i think we should stand back but i think that also we should admire the fact that these guys are getting very close to this and it, and, and it's it's this is no bueno for it to be in a centralized power structure like a super corporation like alphabet there's no good no good for us no good for humanity but very good for the very small percentage of people that seem to actually think that they matter in this world the rich ones you know i'm talking about the uber billionaires those guys so we'll have to keep an eye on it won't we let's face it i mean that is kind of what we do here but yeah maybe we'll talk we'll touch upon it later in a, in a future episodes maybe there'll be developments I, I think it's a bit it's a bit weird that the guy was just sort of turfed out it seems it seems like people think that maybe this thing's going to be deleted. It, it seemed to uh, fear for itself. I don't know. There's something going on over in that black box at Google. 
Stop using it, everyone. That's my advice. Seriously. I hear it all the time. Google this, Google that. There are other search engines available. I say this every... Uh, there are other search engines available. Go and use a different one. Because these guys... It's too much power concentrated in the hands of... I know I'm, look, I'm peeing in the wind here. The ship has sailed. The cat's out the bag. Let's not spend any more time on this. Although it is very interesting. I could spend a lot more time on this. Hey, if you ever want to spend any more time on this, sling me a message. I'm at Gwoof at noagendasocial.com on the Fediverse, the uh, yeah, the Mastodon thing. Um, I'm also hanging out in a Jitsi chat room for a large percentage of my life. Uh, so, uh, right now, a large percentage of my time. Let's put it that way. So you can come and chill out in there. Don't be trolly. That's just an annoying. And don't be like annoying because that's even more annoying than being annoying. You know what I mean? Secondly... Is AI the future of art? Oh, wait, hold on. So what I, I kind of see this as a, the, this, this first thing as a, as a twofold thing. I think that this is the building of a, of a, of a environment where something can go in and impregnate life into this fertile ground of artificial intelligence sentience. I think... What they're doing over at Google and these places is is almost like a, a digital womb. It reminds me of the dome of the of the planet of all these you know, you have these these large obelisks and in front of them you've got these dome shaped buildings. The obelisk symbolizes the penis, you know. The the dome thing is the womb and it's the obelisk is in prey. And I don't think that we've got the penis part of this yet. But I do think that th there are some artificially intelligent titties coming coming at us pretty fast here i think that possibly also the neuralink thing brains getting uh closer and closer to fusing with machines that could be the 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 sort of penis element of this i think it, it, uh, that could be the penis element stop in saying i think you'll know i'm saying i think i think i think whatever what what I, what I would would be very wary of. I mean, I'm a. It's this kind of feels a bit antichristy, does it not? It feels a little bit antichristy to me. I, I'm gonna leave it there. Right, back to number two. Is AI the future of art? Interestingly, article at France 24 is elaborating on this topic, and two main takeaways are yes. Because already now some people earn millions off AI-generated art. What? And second one, not only big models like DALI, but also good old generative adversarial networks are used to create art. Yeah, the sheer amount of DALI things I've seen on the old social meds lately. It's really taken off that as. Excuse me while I crack a beer. First one. Don't worry, I'm not doing this off-cut. It's, uh, yeah, and it's really freaky-deaky, most of this stuff. But then wasn't there another one that we reported on in the last episode that was better than Dolly? And so, Dolly, Dolly, Dolly. It's got a good name, I'll give it that. Some quotes from that article. The Argentine artist, Sofia Crespo, who created the works with the help of artificial intelligence, lazy bitch, is part of the generative art movement. 
where humans create rules for computers which then use algorithms to generate new forms, ideas, and patterns. Again, kind of feels wombly to me here. Um, this is like womb stuff because it's taking the you need the the human brain to input. I don't. Know, this is going to come. It's, I'm starting to sound a bit sexist. I love women. I, I love them to bits. All of them. They're all great. The field has begun to attract huge interest among art collectors and even bigger price tags at auction. US artist and programmer Robbie Barrett, a prodigy still only 22 years old, sold a work called Nude Portrait Number 7 Frame 64 <laughs> at Sotheby's. What a lame name that is. Ugh. Nude portrait. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the poor AI has got to look at this 22-year-old peni. Oh. At Sotheby's in March for 630,000 English pounds, which equates to 821,000 US dollars. What? Man. That's my whole house. And then some. That came almost four years after French collective, Obvious, sold a work at Christie's entitled Edmond de Bellamy, largely based on Barrett's code, for 432,500 US dollars. I mean, I, I know the art thing is, is, but come on. Where's the love for, like, genuinely decent artists? I don't know, Roger Roundy? He seems quite good. I'm a bit biased. I kind of like Roger's work. RogerRoundy.com, anyone for a shameless plug, but hands off security fence. I love that piece. Nowadays, digital artists work with supercomputers and systems known as Generative Adversarial Networks, or GANs, to create images far more complex than anything Nees could have dreamed of. GANs are sets of competing AIs, one generates an image from the instructions it is given, the other acts as a gatekeeper, judging whether the output is accurate. If it finds fault, it sends the image back for tweaks, and the first AI gets back to work for a second try to beat the gamekeeper. Ah, I quite like that way of doing it. It's gamey. It's quite cool. But artists like Crespo and Barrett insist that the artist is still central to the process, even if their working methods are not traditional. When I'm working this way, I'm not creating an image. I'm creating a system that can create images, Barrett told AFP. Crespo said she thought her AI machine would be a true collaborator. But in reality, it is incredibly tough to get even a single line of code to generate satisfactory results. For now, it is tough. And look, this, these, these guys, I don't know about the rest of you artists out there, but these, these are the, this is the same, the, the same mindset. Oh, I'm not going to be here when it all falls apart. I'm the one that's just making money at the beginning. I'll be on my boat somewhere else. It's this is selfishness. And eventually, you're creating the things that are going to put 
Many artists out of business. This this whole thing. Look, we we just got to get our heads around this idea that we're we're on the precipice of being slaves to the machine or the slaves to the like pets, robot pets. We thought it'd be the other way around. We thought we'd have our Sims, but no, they're playing us at this stage. I don't know. Prove me wrong. What do you think? Send me an angry email. I don't care. I'll have a look at it. Thirdly, cruises San Francisco robo taxis seize initiative in race for autonomy. Since Google launched its self-driving car project in 2009, it has been leading the way towards a new age of autonomous transport that could reshape cities and, one day, deal a death blow to car ownership. But in San Francisco, close to its headquarters, the tech giant has found itself overtaken by Cruise, a startup backed by General Motors. In the race to secure the first robo-taxi permit for a large US city. Cruz had already scored a first when, in February, it began offering free rides in its fully autonomous vehicles. <laughs> free rides. Yeah, of course they're free. Who's going to pay to get in something that will probably crash and kill you? <laughs> For now. I mean, it's obviously going to get better as time goes on, but car. Those early days are going to be rough, I can tell you that for nothing. Then, in early June, it received approval to begin charging customers. GM said last year that the rapid scaling phase for Cruise would start from 2023, as its manufacturing of autonomous vehicles climbs from the thousands in that year to the tens of thousands in 2026 and to more than one million in 2030. Sign me up. Where do I, where do I invest? Sign me up. GM Chief Executive Mary Barra has indicated that she expects Cruise to go from zero to 50 billion in revenue by the end of the decade. Again, where do I invest? <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> uh, it's sort of a joke, but it's also sort of not, of, not of a joke, really. Buy Bitcoin. What can I say? It's on sale. Our opinion so far, many companies, including Tesla and Uber and Lyft, failed to roll out robo-taxis on mass scale. So it's nice to see that General Motors is so optimistic about it. That, that is actually a good point. Maybe I'll hold off on that investment. <laughs> Fourthly, know your audience. Specialising grounded language models with the game of Dixit. Gatsby Computational Neuroscience Unit at University College London and Google's subsidiary DeepMind published new article about AI. Here is the abstract. Effective communication requires adapting to the idiosyncratic common ground shared with each communicative partner. We study a particularly challenging instantation of this problem, the popular game Dixit. We formulate a round of Dixit as a multi-agent image referencing game where a trained speaker model is rewarded for describing a target image such that one pre-trained listener model can correctly identify it from a pool of distractors 
But another listener cannot. To adapt to this setting, the speaker must exploit differences in the common ground it shares with the different listeners. We show that fine-tuning an attention-based adapter between a clip vision encoder and a large language model in this contrastive multi-agent setting gives rise to context-dependent natural language specialization from rewards only without direct supervision. In a series of controlled experiments, we show that the speaker can adapt according to the idiosyncratic strengths and weaknesses of various pairs of different listeners. Furthermore, we show zero-shot transfer of the speaker's specialization to unseen real-world data. Our experiments offer a step towards adaptive communication in complex multi-partner settings and highlight the interesting research challenges posed by games like Dixit. We hope that our work will inspire creative new approaches to adapting pre-trained models. Sliding into almost halfway at our number five article, Google Research is reporting. EvoJax, bringing the power of neuroevolution to solve your problems. Some quotes from that article. Jax, J-A-X, is one of the most important machine learning frameworks at Google these days that allows both simplified user code, large-scale parallelization, and orders of magnitude acceleration. The framework used in recent state-of-the-art results include Pathway Language Model, or PALM, for language understanding, BRAX and JAX-MD for physics and molecular dynamic simulations, and many more. Based on JAX's growing popularity, it is no surprise that we shall see more works for slash tools using it in various areas. In this blog, we introduce EvoJax, a hardware-accelerated neural evolution toolkit that can solve complex problems, including those containing non-differential modules. What are well-behaved systems? Such systems are often differentiable, and thus their intrinsic behaviours, such as how the input and output interfaces, and how the parameters could be optimised, are, at least to some degree, clear to us. In addition, with the widened application of DL, we are also acquiring more experience in solving such systems using gradient-based methods, which is designed to deal with differentiability, and as a result, we have a better grasp of their behaviour. For these two reasons, we are relatively confident and comfortable handling such problems, and we consider them well-behaved. There's a few show titles jumping out at me, but I t- there's one that's there's one that can't be beaten, I don't think. There's not even much point writing these other ones down. But in reality, many real-world cases are not ideal. For starters, the fact that many of us need to tune hyperparameters of your models heavily so that the system eventually learns is an example. Moreover, backpropagation can face difficulties if the system is not differentiable or has some black box parts. Oh, there's another one. Mm. 
That is the reason why many real-world applications such as Neural Architecture, Search, NAS, N-A-S, Data Center Cooling and Plasma Control Adopt Reinforcement Learning, or Evolution Strategies, Algorithms to Solve the Problems. Neuroevolution is now a real-world solution for businesses and may extend the ability of DNN and machine learning much more in the future. Not daily, source code of example EvoJax, both as Python source code, files with extension asterisk.py, and as Python embedded in Jupyter Notebooks, files with extension asterisk.ipynb can be found at github.com forward slash google forward slash evojax. Number six, six. Facebook, also known as Meta, has published an article about AI. Meta AI, advancing direct speech-to-speech modeling with discrete units. Some quotes. To make it possible for people to easily understand each other while speaking in different languages... Having just come back from Spain, I didn't find that much of a problem. Everyone seems to speak pretty good English. But obviously that's not the case everywhere. We need more than just text-based translation systems. But the conventional approach to building speech-to-speech translation systems has faced two significant shortcomings. It uses a cascaded series of steps, speech recognition, then text-to-text translation, and finally, conversion of translated text back to speech, where the computational costs and inference latency accumulate in each stage. In addition, more than 40% of the world's languages are without text writing systems, making this approach infeasible for extending translations to every spoken language. To enable faster inference and support translation between unwritten languages, meta AI is sharing new work on our direct speech-to-speech translation, or S2ST, approach, which does not rely on text generation as an intermediate step. Our method outperforms previous approaches and is the first direct S2ST system trained on real-world open-sourced audio data instead of synthetic audio for multiple language pairs. There you go, Gene Roddenberry. That's your translator thingy with Bobby from Star Trek, isn't it? Why it matters. Direct speech-to-speech modelling with discrete units presents an exciting future for building better translation systems. Beyond just translation quality, benchmarks also show that our proposed system is the most efficient in terms of runtime, flops, and max memory compared with spectrogram-based S2ST systems and cascaded systems. The work discussed here also moves us closer to translation systems that work well for unwritten languages, which remain popular for dialects all over the world and are largely unsupported. With the release of our papers and code, we hope to enable future direct speech-to-speech translation advancements across the research community. Our evaluations are done with open-sourced models. We hope that our measurement protocols can be leveraged so that all future progress can be compared fairly and openly. Ah. 
I concur. Fairness and openness is a good stool to set your lot by. It's a good lot to set your stool. You know what I mean. Seven. More news from Facebook. Meta decentralizes AI effort. The future of big AI may lie with product development teams. Meta reorganized its AI division. Henceforth, AI teams will report to departments that develop key products. Prior to the reshuffle, the company's responsible AI, AI for products, AI for AR, that is augmented reality, and Facebook AI research teams were managed by a single division called Meta AI. This structure made it difficult to translate machine learning into marketable applications, according to Chief Technology Officer Andrew Bosworth. So, in other words, while many companies and corporations still have central organizational units devoted to AI, increasingly spreading AI people to various division leads seems more to be effective in a corporate setting, when a technology is new, a centralized team can make it easier to share learnings, set standards, and build company-wide platforms. As it matures, individual business units often gain the ability to manage the technology themselves and absorb experienced developers. Little shuffle shuffle. Go on, Zuck. You're in a race, mate. You got a race against the Google dudes and the... Microsoft dudes and the Amazon guys and gals and dudettes. But you're all working together, but you're also competing. It's a strange, but we're, we're getting it done. That's what's happening. That's what I'm telling you. It's getting done. Coming at you for your octo slice of AI news from AI.cooking. Creating racist chatbot is easy peasy lemon squeezy. YouTuber trains AI bot on 4chan's pile-o-bile with entirely predictable results. <laughs> yeah, I bet they really hate the Jews. <laughs> That's not fair. That's like getting a dog and being mean to it on purpose and making it fight other dogs. A YouTuber named Yannick Kilcher has sparked controversy in the AI world after trading a bot on posts collected from 4chan's politically incorrect board, otherwise known as forward slash poll forward slash. The board is 4chan's most popular and well known for its toxicity, even in the anything goes environment of 4chan. Posters share racist, misogynistic, and anti-Semitic messages, which the bot, named GPT-4chan after the popular series of GPT language models made by research lab OpenAI, learned to imitate. After training his model, Kilcher released it back onto 4chan as multiple bots, which posted tens of thousands of times on forward slash poll forward slash. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, I bet that was actually quite funny. And the model was good in a terrible sense, says Kilcher in a video on YouTube describing the project. It perfectly encapsulates the mix of offensiveness, nihilism, trolling, and deep distrust of any information whatsoever that permeates most posts on forward slash poll forward slash. 
<laughs> yeah, what did you expect? Uh, I've never been on it personally, but I've seen loads of screenshots and talking people, people talking about it and stuff. And I don't know why it's stuck on 4chan. Where's the 8chan, 16chan, 32chan, 33chan? That is the end, is it not? 34chan, perhaps. One better than 33. You know what I'm saying? Ah, uh, oh yes. Almost our penultimate news article. Ethics team scuttles taser drone. A weaponized AI system intended to protect students has been grounded. Axon, which makes law enforcement equipment such as tasers and body cameras, cancelled a plan to sell remote-controlled drones capable of firing electroshock darts to incapacitate attackers at schools, businesses, and other places. What? <laughs> what a nightmare. What are you guys, why is humanity doing this to itself? This is going to be hilarious. No one's going to leave the house. The company, which had announced the Taser drone in early June, shelved it days later after the majority of its independent ethics board resigned in protest. <laughs> yeah, bet. What kind of... What you, people creating weaponized drones, but they've also got an ethics board. <laughs> <laughs> Surely that was the concept stage. It was shot down, but no. <laughs> Let's read on. The cancelled flyer, which was based on the company's existing Axon Air surveillance drone, was to include a camera as well as a taser. <laughs> so you could see the people getting tased. Oh, do you know where this would be good for? A Japanese television program. One of those game shows on Japanese TV. <laughs> I love those things. I can't understand them, but they're hilarious. A human operator would decide when to fire its electroshock projectile. Yeah, for now. <laughs> That's not going to stay like that, is it? Our opinion. CSB. Tasering people often leads to heart attacks, even directly after the taser is fired or a couple of weeks afterwards. So, we are in favour of banning tasers. My opinion about tasers is... It's a weapon, isn't it? All weapons are tools. You can either use it for great good, protect your family from an evil monster, or you can use it from great bad, go and tase your family in their sleep. Double figures, nom nom, number 10. More adventures with Dolly 2. This time using gibberish as input. OpenAI's text-to-image generator Dolly 2 produces pictures with uncanny creativity on demand. Has it invented its own language as well? Ask Dolly 2 to generate an image that includes text, and often its output will include seemingly random characters. Gennaris Dallas and Alexandros G. Dimakis at University of Texas discovered that if you feed the gibberish back into the model, sometimes it will generate images that accord with the text you requested earlier. Someone said to me, uh, Lucid Dreaming, uh, can you look at a screen in Lucid Dreaming? It's all a bit weird if you're Lucid Dreaming, being aware that you're dreaming whilst you're dreaming. Something I've attempted to do multiple times with varying degrees of success. Um, it, it's just, it, it's like, it looks weird, the screen, any screen or TV or phone or whatever. And if you think about it, 
How many times have you seen screens in your dreams? Hmm? Not many, right? I feel like this Dolly 2 gibberish stuff feels like electric dreams. The authors devised a simple process to determine whether Dolly 2's gibberish has meaning to the model. They prompted the model to generate images that included text. Many of the characters produced were distorted, requiring some degree of human interpretation to read, so the authors passed them manually. Who's testing who here? They fed text strings produced by Dolly 2 back into the model, prompting it to produce a new image. The authors provide only a handful of quantitative results, but they are intriguing. They report that a lot of experimentation was required to find gibberish that produced consistent images. Asking Dual E2 to generate an image of two whales talking about food with subtitles produced an image with the text the authors renders as Wachzodre, prompting the model with Wachzodre produced images of seafood. Huh? Okay, I see where this is going. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're like really swimming down the uh, the vortex of craziness here. I'm so glad I, I'm doing this. I hope you're glad that I'm doing this and that you're enjoying listening to it. I think this 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 show, this thing, this AI thing in this show, it could it could go f- this this could go quite far. I'm not going to lie. Like we we're, we're going to really discover some weird stuff with this. Prompting Dolly 2 with a popli verisitaris yielded images of birds and other flying creatures in most of an unspecified number of attempts. The prompt, Contara Sictinepmis Lurting Tanyanus. I'm murdering this. It might be Latin. It looks a little Latinish if you was dyslexic and was trying to read Latin. Resulted in images of insects around half the time and an apparently random assortment of other creatures the other half. A poploverviceritaeus eating contara chinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachinachin
in this case, similar and dissimilar images produced in response to the same prompt would have something in common that the model discovered, but people may not recognize. One Twitter user, real or unreal, I don't know, ask Elon, theorized that Dorley2's gibberish is based on subword patterns in its training dataset. For instance, if APO and PLO are common components of Latin bird species names, then using both syllables would yield images of birds. On the other hand, subwords of Contera senexteamnis luricalatanionons may be related to bugs in 50% of occurrences in the training set and to random other animals in the rest. Other Twitter users chalked up the author's findings to chance. They assert that the phenomenon is random and unrelated to patterns in the training dataset. The discovery that Dorley 2's vocabulary may extend beyond its training data highlights the black box nature of deep learning and the value of interpretable models. Can users benefit from understanding the model's idiosyncratic style of communication? Does its apparent ability to respond to gibberish open a backdoor that would allow hackers to get results the model is designed to block? Do builders of natural language models need to start accounting for gibberish inputs? These questions may seem fanciful, but they may be critical to making such models dependable and secure. Finally! THE KNOWLEDGE CORNER! Time Series Forecasting in Machine Learning Since time series forecasting is super important in machine learning and AI, we will be returning to this topic yet. But in this episode, let's ponder some questions. What is time series? Time series pertains to the sequence of observations collected in constant time intervals, be it daily, monthly, quarterly, or yearly. Time series analysis involves developing models used to describe the observed time series and understand the why behind its dataset. Can machine learning be used for time series? Time series forecasting is an important area of machine learning. It is important because there are so many prediction problems that involve a time component. What is the best machine learning model for time series data? The most popular statistical method for time series forecasting is the ARIMA. Autoregressive Integrated Moving Average. Family with ARMA, 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 ARIMA, ARIMAX and SARIMAX methods. Is machine learning better than ARIMA? The classical methods were found to outperform the machine learning methods again. In this case, methods such as Theta, Arima, and a combination of exponential smoothing, Comb, were found to achieve the best performance. Which machine learning algorithm is best for forecasting? MLP, BNN, GPKNN, and GRNN were found in large-scale comparative studies be the top five machine learning algorithms based on 18-month, one-step-ahead forecasts, among other ML models. Which library is used for plotting the time series? Matplotlib. This library is used for data visualization in various formats such as line plot, 
bar graph, heat maps, scatter plots, histogram, etc. etc. It contains all the graph-related functionalities required from plotting to labeling. Why is LSTM better than Arima? LSTM works better if we are dealing with huge amount of data and enough training data is available. While Arima is better for smaller datasets, is this correct? Arima requires a series of parameters, P, Q, D, which must be calculated on data, while LSTM does not require setting such parameters. What is AI time series? Time series refers to a list of data points in time order. Time series are particularly important for representing the change in value over time of data relevant to a particular problem, such as inventory levels, equipment temperature, financial values, or customer transactions. What is time series data in machine learning? So, what is time series forecasting in machine learning? Time series is a certain sequence of data observations that a system collects within a specific period of time, e.g. daily, monthly or yearly. Why are time series important? Time series provide the historical information that can be analysed by AI and ML algorithms to generate and test predictive models. With the right cleansing, normalization, aggregation and combination, time series data can represent the state of a process over time to identify patterns and correlations that can be used to create and evaluate predictions that can be applied to future behavior. And that's it for this episode. Stay safe, clump, and stay dangerous. Infinite Intellectual Individuals!